All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Can you describe the rocket, sir? Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Nibis and DJ Neko with you with the Hordes of Chaos episode 116 on the Metal Tavern Radio podcast. Welcome, welcome. 116. Damn. I know, right? Kicking them and pumping them out like babies. Uh. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, so. Lot in store for you today. That was gross. Please don't burp to our listeners. They don't care. They really don't care. They're all here for you anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got a, cop, a couple of documentaries to get to. Uh, one about Chris Holmes from Wasps. The other about Randy Castillo. Uh, I'll tell you about Lady Fat Blood and her new thing she's doing on Facebook. We'll get to that in a little bit. And then we have an interview with Lou Yardley, who we just got done interviewing not too long ago on Skype for the first time. So That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was pretty nice. And it's actually the first time we've had a chance to really talk to her, like, not only face-to-face, uh, sort of, but, like, just by yeah, like voice. We, yeah, like, we normally, we don't call. We normally, like, just message or whatever, and, and it was just nice to have, like, an actual face-to-face interaction, not not a uh, type, 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 hey, how you doing, type, yeah. type, 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 type. And it's been long overdue, like, we've known her a while, like, way back, we've, we've known her. I mean, like, easily 15 years. Easily, yeah, easily, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how much time has passed, too, so... We're going to catch up with her and what's her, in store for her latest book that she's coming out with and some of her past books. So we'll, it's a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun doing the interview with her and chatting it up a little bit, our love of cats and everything else. I know. Um, <clears throat> plenty of new music coming your way. Got some uh, Necronemesis, uh, Cold Cell, Zenith, Smogil, New Seth, and Ekin Henneton, which I really like a lot. Uh, got the rock block with Neko's pick of the week, which she'll be enjoying that. 
Oh, I do love that song. I forgot. <laughs> uh, I've got some Misfire Artillery. I uh, also got some stuff from our labels and promotional sites. And never fear for those that, like, I've literally gone through and I've got shit stacked and racked. So uh, I'll continue to put them out as much as we put up the podcast. But, you know, I'm trying to fit everything in together as well. So. I know. You've been just going through your music like crazy. Yeah, it's been it's been nuts. I still don't have everything set up yet as far as, like, like I still have tons of stuff to get to. But... Uh, I do appreciate these labels and promotions I'd send me stuff because we're finding some pretty cool bands, both rock and metal related. Mm-hmm. Um, discovered a, a cool cover that I'll play in a rock block for Aneka because I think she'll really enjoy it. Uh, we're going to kick it off, though, with some brand new stuff from a band called RIP. Uh, R-I-P. It's called Panic Disorder. And we'll be back a little bit to talk some uh, Lady Fat Blood.
Torrify from Victoria, B.C. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Stay thrashing. Alright, we're back. Yeah, we are. Talk yeah, little, we are. Talk a little bit about our favorite YouTube personalities, Samurai and Lady Fatblood. And uh, about two weeks ago, uh, Lady Fatblood started doing something on Facebook where she was videoing herself doing her own little video channel but um, she was basically taking time out she likes to paint these figurines and she's very good at it. she has like a lot of them that she sometimes she posts some for Christmas like you would underneath mm-hmm. the tree and whatnot and so she'll spend an hour or so you know uh, doing this because uh, she works a lot so when she gets back uh, after that, she'll do that for a couple hours and go to bed and all that good stuff. But she sits there on these videos and, you know, it's painting. It's really cool, nice. She's got a little, little desk and stuff and gets visited by the kitty cats like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And basically, the rest of us who are watching and commenting, you know, we're all kind of like, you know, talking just like we would Samurai about any kind of movies that she likes or her opinions on this or that and it's neat watching her do this because obviously her point of view is you know it's kind of like you and i a lot of ways like if we agree or disagree on something there's two different points of views samurai you know they do their reaction videos their reviews and whatnot there's always a back and forth between what they liked and disliked Mm -hmm. so when i we watch her do this like it's fun just kind of getting her more in-depth opinions on things and sometimes we get her fired up when we talk about certain I know I love when she gets all fired up she hates it but uh you know she she takes it all in good spirit and fun so um has she been doing this um like is it a hobby of hers that she just she likes to paint and then she decided she was just gonna like because it looks very meditative to her like she sits and she paints and she's just talking like okay guys how you doing today blah blah but you know yeah we call her like uh I should just call her Lady Bob Ross. Lady Lady Bob Ross? I'm okay with that. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, you know, for her, it's, you know, because Samurai has his little hobbies and whatnot, and basically she has hers, and she decided to finally kind of do it on, on video for mm-hmm. Facebook and whatnot, and, you know, it's just a good way for, because we always knew her through Samurai and the show and all this stuff, and so it's kind of nice to kind of watch her and get her own perspectives and, you know, a little bit about her and what's going on. She's very humble, very gracious, very fun, nice. Uh, she's sort of like us in a way. Like, she doesn't really necessarily like being on camera, but she'll do it. She's so photogenic, though. That's why I, like, I I love watching her on on the YouTube channel. She's very pretty, and she's got, like, such a cool style. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoy it, and uh, very sweet. I, the more, I try to catch her as much as I can, because, you know, obviously we have a lot of other things going on, but when she's live, you know, we talk, and, you know. You know, the best thing about your job, honestly, is because your hours are so odd compared to other people's hours. So, meaning, 
you usually work Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays, and you're not even working tomorrow because you're you're switching DSPs. So right. you have like a week off in between, and it's like you are lucky in the sense that you get to do some experiences that other people don't, like that um, four twenty mm-hmm. thing that you did with Josh, and you you're home. Like, during the day, on days where most people are at work, but, like, on days that most, like, most people are off on Sunday, you're you're working for 12 hours. So, it's kind of, it's good that you can really experience some of this stuff, because, like, I miss out on a lot of things because mm-hmm. of my, my work schedule, or I could probably, like, there are some days where it's a little bit lighter and I'm not on so many conference calls that I am lucky enough to turn on a podcast or turn on something like that but well you and I were it's funny because you know like you said I catch some of this other stuff via YouTube personalities like and that's how I kind of you know we kind of got the gig with Samurai you know doing the verses and whatnot and but then you you are such a diehard uh, Dukes and Chad Dukes yeah so like I don't get to keep up with him much not that I couldn't but because I'm so engrossed in everything else you kind of keep up on that end so whenever there's something interesting or you're like oh well, this is a really good show we need to watch this and so you know we haven't really talked about him much in a while because of all the shit that happened with him but you are keeping tabs with certain parts of mm-hmm. your hobbies. And I'm, like, a week behind because I'll, like, I, I was saying earlier, I, I get, I'm getting really bad at social media. I find that I don't have a good medium where I either, it either feels like work. Like, you have to go and follow everybody and read everything. And, and I've been really bad. Like, I will check in for, like, ten minutes twice a week and I miss a lot of things because that's how everybody is putting things out there. But I really I don't have enough time to have a second life on Facebook to catch up. But I understand that everybody is using Facebook and social media to like distribute information. Yeah, I think that's what's happening because of COVID, like it's become magnified like ten times full because like even when I watch, you know, Lady Fabblood or whatever, she's generally coming off like a six day work week and not, you know, every day she gets off of work, she's like doing a couple hours of this video feed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she's a little bit shorter because she's tired or, you know, headache or whatever, which happens like when you work as much as she does. Uh, even Samurai, who I'm not sure what he does work wise or if he does, but. He's so busy right now. He pumps out so much content. Mm-hmm. And he's been putting out more lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is. Like, I can sometimes, you know, obviously sometimes with Sexy Sumo being there, uh, hanging out occasionally, they're playing video games or whatever. But, yeah, he's generally wrapped up in doing, like, there's been times when Fat Bloods has to be like you and say, you have to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Go to bed. Uh, but, you know, Sarah's like, no, no, I just got too much work to do. And, but it all pays off for him in that respect because he's able to do all these great interviews and get these nice guests and this great panels. He of has people. gotten some really great guests too. Like uh, now, Lady Fabla today was talking about how sometimes they're a little surprised because like they get generally get more reaction or more attention to their reaction videos than they do the the actual interviews and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's sometimes just because of the ADD society we have like we always like can spend like 10 minutes watching a reaction video but then 
when you're gonna watch an interview, some people lose interest. Like, now, what I find though is is Lady Fat Blood and um, Fat Samurai guy, they've really cultivated almost like an online family, and then we've been kind of reaching out to the other um, the other people. And learning, you know, hey, we 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 check out their um, YouTube channels, oh, yeah. and it's it's just like a nice online family, and and we really have like <clears throat> we were talking about we're going to be airing an interview with Lou soon, and she, you know she we've known her for a long time. Um, I think it's been years though since I feel like we started cultivating a nice online community because. That's what I feel like it used to be. Like in the early 2000s, everything, you know, we were with um, MRU and um, Metal... Headbangers Haven. Headbangers Haven. What was the other one? Metal Boards or... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I had my own for a while mm -hmm. when... Um, what was it? Metal Mayhem? It might have been. Yeah, I think it was called Metal Mayhem. And then, like... You know, I had my no, mine was Metal Mayhem that I had initial Pro Boards one, and then there was another one that um, I remember Dawson and all that. Yeah, I, you were so excited. We were still living in the apartments, I think, and you were like, "I'm a moderator now." Yeah, back yeah. <laughs> the big time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you a moderator? But it like nowadays everything is on Facebook, and it seems like where everybody is fighting for attention, and it doesn't feel like a nice cultivated you know, intimate community, and with the the Fat Samurai guy, and with Lady Fat Blood, and with, uh, like, the Asian movie, movie enthusiast, who are all the other guys? Eric, you got the Century, Sci-Fi Century, mm -hmm. uh, he hasn't done anything in a while, but um, you have Tony mm -hmm. with the Dead, he's really cool, and even some of these other, like, bigger dudes, like Rick Myers, uh, Aaron Penn, uh, Cult of Cinema, like, you know, the guys that we did the verses with, um, that's a lot of fun. Those guys are really knowledgeable about their own thing. That's what's great about this whole thing is that between Lady Fat Blood and Samurai and all these other guys and us, we all have similar interests in like movies and music, and we all kind of approach it differently. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's what makes it great when Samurai does these like collectives and these panels. And you know, funny enough, you know, Fat Blood was we were asking her questions like, well, "How would you act if?" A fan of yours came up and saw you in public and she's like well you know honestly this is going to sound like meanish but i'm kind of quiet or introverted basically when that stuff happens so i'm not sure how i'd react but i think any other part of that is like for you and me if we met samurai and lady fed but like we'd almost treat them like they were long lost friends that we hadn't seen in a while mm -hmm. like we'd be hugging and you know you know high-fiving and shaking hands and just you know i was teasing her i was like oh this is what i would do because she was like I, I just wouldn't want someone to make a spectacle i said like, well this is what i did and then i put a clip of wayne's world and they're like we're not we're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. she's like yeah james don't do that <laughs> but uh you know yeah it, it, and we've been following them for a while too um 2017 i was discussing how like their king of the monsters reaction it was the first time that i'd ever really been alerted to who they were and it's still my favorite reaction video. Because uh, she did the same thing, like, when Mothra came out as I did. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's really, she was really excited. They weren't as impressed with the movie afterwards, obviously. Neither were you, really. But, uh, 
the reaction. She said the same thing I did. They gave it all away in the trailers, and that's what was disappointing. The reaction video, though, is it encapsulated everything that I felt as a, a Godzilla fan. Like, mm -hmm. they had every feeling and emotion that I liked, and that's what I appreciate about it. Now, obviously, they've grown, and they've progressed since then to, like, more things like the verses, is it really that bad, uh, all this other stuff that they're doing. So I, I just, I really love their show, love what they're doing. They make us happy because they, they may not even realize just how good they're, chemistry and charisma is together that it makes it kind of fun and entertaining and funny uh so but she was very polite you know just like saying thank you and all that so it to me even with her doing this little thing on facebook is a real nice way to kind of connect with her outside of samurai because it gives us a chance to kind of see let her just kind of like tell her own feelings mm -hmm. and things sometimes we've heard them sometimes we have not and also and she's a really great painter. Like I know the figurines are kind of pre-made, but her ideas that she uses to create the color palette and everything else. And, that and that takes a lot of like attention to detail. Oh, like yeah. she you has have to so have much a steady patience. hand and tiny brush. So much patience. And me, I I'm not good at that. I need like a lot of <laughs> when we paint. Like we're painting the porch. And if we have enough daylight, which I don't know if we will, I was going to go out and work on it a little bit, because how many fucking layers are we putting on there? <laughs> I actually sanded down quite a bit of the layers, but anyway, I need a splash guard. I need a sheet. I make a mess. You should see my paint clothes. I, I don't think I could use a teeny tiny brush. Like, I, I would be like... Oh, like, yeah. everywhere. She's just like... Steady so... hand. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that, that's her way of unwinding, so to speak. You know, she can just kind of chill and then... It's kind of like her uh, yoga. Yeah, in like, a way. You know, like it's, she's very zen. And she just throws on, like, her playlist in the background, which, again, we were talking about, like, she has to be careful what she plays because as she's doing a live feed, copyright comes into play, so she has to be kind of careful what is played and all that. It's not super loud, so I don't think... I don't think it really get alerted because it's not really loud enough to pick up on. But and I think too, um, there's some kind of what's the word like? There's some kind of way that YouTube is able to just like automatically pick things up. And it, it, it's funny. It's like a weird algorithm. I actually just tested this because I was trying. What's happening is when I post my podcast on Podbean. Because I'm still attached to my YouTube channel, it'll still send the video to YouTube, but it, it won't. It'll block it. And sometimes it's just three or four songs, and it, it gives you the option, believe it or not, to to take out the clips. But I'm like, well, if I'm gonna have four to five songs taken out, then what's the purpose? I don't really. It doesn't make sense for me to post it up on YouTube. I tried doing it. I thought initially, because I gave descriptions, so initially I thought I was just picking up on what I was typing in there for the bands. I tried just video and it still picked up on it. So the reality is, like, I would love to be able to have our podcast on YouTube to get more people involved, but I just I can't have to sit there and fight with YouTube about copyrights and like, you know, that I own the material and all this other shit. So yeah, and a lot of times, you know, you have permission with ninety percent of the stuff that we play, or other stuff is kind of like not copyrighted oh but, yeah they tagged they wanted the songs they tagged me it was like an old suicidal tennessee song so i'm like 
well, this song's not even, it's like over 30 years old. Like, why would I even have to worry? I mean, obviously, if the, the band is concerned about it, but I, I can guarantee that if I talk to the guys at Suicide, they'd be like, oh, dude, fuck no, play it. But I don't want. You'd have to go through all of that. Yeah, there's all this channel work because we saw Chris Grant have to do it with Metal Mania. Like he has to fight a lot to get his shit on YouTube, and I'm like, I'm not doing all that. That's just too much work. And everything that Chris plays is legit. Like right. he has permission from the all the bands, right. every single one, and he has gotten things taken down on Facebook, and he's gotten things taken down on YouTube, and I, I even think. Uh, Fat Samurai was saying at, at one point too, like there, it's like that you get flagged once, and it's like. Well, she it, talked about that today. She's like, because of when they do their reviews and stuff, they have to only use short clips. They can't use a certain length because they will get mm-hmm. tagged for it, and they're like, you gotta take it out. So when they do that, like that's the frustrating thing for them with dealing with YouTube is that they have to be very careful about how they're. And doing. they have a very good following, and they like. For us, we would, we, God for, like, if we even got to the kind of following that they did on YouTube and we were able to monetize it a little bit, it, it's just so much of a pain and I, I feel bad for what a lot of these, you know, and it's an independent venture. So you have all of this work going into a, you know, a little small side thing and then YouTube is just like laying down the axe. I, oh! I swear to God, I don't even know what I posted on Facebook. I, I don't post on Facebook that much at all. Right. I mean, and I got a, a message like a week ago, I forgot to tell you about this, that my post was taken down because it was... It, offensive or something? It wasn't offensive. It said something about if it, it was... It was uh, referencing self-harm and if i am thinking of suicide to call the national and i'm like what did i post because i don't post much right (laughs) i could have probably said something like work is killing me or like something (laughs) benign like that and my my post was taken down and I, i don't post maybe twice a month and usually it's pictures of my animals Right. So, like, I have no idea what I posted. I, I might have shared, like, a funny picture or don't know. Yeah, it's it could be anything. I mean, with the way they ban about, you know, politics and all that stuff, like, I don't really talk that shit anymore because I just, it's so I don't cool. want to lose family and friends over fighting with politics over technicalities. That, right. That's the way I look at it. Like, just I know. Just different points of view, but, it, like, even if you share a meme or whatever, like, Facebook and be like, oh, no, nope, you offended, so you're 30-day ban. <laughs> and they're not very likely to, like, take it back. Like, you can fight it, but they just oftentimes will just say, no, you were still violated, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm just like, I'm not even going to worry about all that shit. Because, again, Chris Grant falls in that trap all the time, like, with his stuff, that, you know, he'll try to do his Facebook live feeds, and then... Almost immediately, it'll be like, oh, you showed a girl in a bikini. Or, or, or whatever it is, and like you'll, they'll be like, "Well, yeah, you're because he's already been an offender, so they're like, you're banned another thirty days." Mm-hmm. So then he's got to make up other accounts just to keep up to date with what's going on with his shows and all this stuff. So it's it's a really big pain in the ass uh, dealing with YouTube and all that. But nevertheless, uh, Lady Fab Blood doing this like Facebook thing uh, is really nice, and it's a nice way to connect with her outside of samurai when they're not doing stuff together and uh, it's just a lot of fun 
just it's actually just more kind of relaxing to talk to them you know you don't got a lot of other stuff going on and you're just you know questioning her and she's very attentive she'll even if she's painting she'll still look and see what's going on in the chat and comment section and i just i really appreciated the fact that she still despite some of her hesitancy to be on camera and all that stuff that she still wants to connect to the fans because she understands that she understands that she's like when we first started doing the youtube stuff i wasn't sure if it was really something i wanted to do or worth it especially after you remember when they got hacked they mm, lost their channel. that's right they were they started a side channel when they got hacked and they were feeling very defeated yeah because youtube was not helping them at all right so but she had said like the one thing she mentioned she's like you know at first when we were doing this i was like do i really want to do this i just i don't really care for it but then when they got hacked she's like I just, I really, literally felt like someone just took the rug from under our feet. And I, like, it really pissed me off. And then I realized how much I did like it. And so they fought for it and they got it back, which was great. But I remember that, like you did, when we were seeing them start that, the alternate channel. And I wanted all the subscribers to go that they just, they wanted to do it. But then, like, you could just see it in their behavior and their uh, body language that they were just like, I just don't want to start over. And that's just kind of how I felt when my Twitter got hacked. I'm like, fuck me, I gotta start a new Twitter. And I just gained all these followers, and, you know, it was, like, so ridiculous. And I'm like, finally I was able to get my Twitter back, which is great, but now I have this other Twitter account from uh, Metal Tavern that I just don't use. But it, it's just one of those things. I'm really glad that she's doing it. I, you know, I hope she does it for a while. It's a nice way to, like, to see her do her art and stuff that she's painting and get a chance to hear the meow meows around her talking all the time so a lot of fun all right well, let's get back into our music got some black metal coming your way uh new stuff from minus morgul very good band uh stuff from against pr from zagard and then we're going to kick it off brand new cold cell this is greatest of all species <laughs>
everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 to noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. DJ Nubis and DJ Neko back with you Metal Tavern Radio Podcast it's the podcast getting ready to do our interview with Lou Yardley so we um we are five hours behind Lou where she lives is um when we did the interview it was about 2 p.m. our time so it would have been 7 p.m. her time we wanted to make sure, because it's much later in the day now, we wanted to make sure we got a hold of her before we were pushing her, you know, way into the dark evening. But she's been, she's been great. Like, she's been pumping out some amazing books just nonstop. And she's, she set this goal about five years ago, as you'll hear in the interview. And just, she's very ambitious. And I'm just so proud of her. I cannot see for me. I I can't. She has goals set for her books. I can't figure out what I'm gonna wear the next day. And she's got like her whole you know book. Um, what do you call it? Layout or um timeline figured out for the next few years. And it it's phenomenal. She's been working so hard and and doing all this self promotion. And she 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 should be very proud of herself. I'm very oh, proud definitely. of her. Yeah, we're really happy for. Her. Uh, yeah. So it was the first time I got a chance to talk with her. It was on Skype that we did the call. So, uh, it sounded like it came out okay. Uh, it might be a little rough, um, just because it was our first go at it. But we'll figure it out down the road because we'll probably talk to her a lot more going forward. And maybe I'll try to get some of my guys like Edgar uh, uh, Allan Poet maybe to try to do Skype too. Maybe that'd be a lot of fun way to go that route rather than kind of do it the way we do it. Um, so you might actually see, because we did a video call with her, so you might see some of our bits on her YouTube channel, which we talk about uh, in the interview as well. So we're going to get started with that, and we'll be back when it's all done. And uh, here we go. Enjoy, folks. Thank you. And DJ Neko. Uh-oh. There she is. Now it's fixed again. Um, we are welcome with Lou Yardley, author extraordinaire. <laughs> so why don't you uh, just give us a lowdown first of where you live, where you're from, and all that good stuff. A little bit of background. Okay, cool. Um, I'm Lou Yardley. I'm an indie author from the UK. Uh, I live just outside London. So it sounds quite exciting, but it's not. <laughs> it's kind of like a, right outside of Baltimore, and it's like we just live in a neighborhood. There's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing exciting. I have to catch a train to go and do anything exciting. Um, I've written like quite a few horror books now, but I'm now venturing into dark fantasy. So basically, because I just want to write about goblins and dragons. That's what it is. <laughs> I hear you there. Uh, now, were you born and raised where you are, or did you live anywhere else? Uh, no, I've pretty much been here my entire 37 <laughs> years. Hey, <laughs> Now, I know when I first met you online, it was through Headbangers Haven, I believe, with Jasmine and all them. 
And then, of course, you all created the Metal Tavern Forum, and we did that for a little while, and then I remember just asking you both if I could use your name, and you guys granted me that, which... <laughs> it's so the Metal love. Tavern! Yeah. It's the best day, Link. Oh, oh, I'm yeah, having yeah. coffee. Beer. I haven't, I haven't got my wine yet. I'm still working on the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was curious. Um, are you still into music? Uh what do you, I, I know you were doing a webzine for a little while. Yeah, I did my Lucifer Speaks webzine for a while. But I stopped that about five or six years ago, something like that. Around the same time I started writing books. But yeah, I'm still into music. I still check out all the new metal releases when they come out on a Friday. Although I've got really into power metal recently, which is oh, kind wow. of like Disney metal in my mind. Well, we call that either flower metal or dragon metal. Yeah, we call that, yeah, it's like <laughs> dragon fantasy metal, yeah. which I like too, so. Yeah, it's kind of like a Disney vibe. Now, you were doing the webzine. Are you just not doing that anymore? Nope. No. There's only so many hours in the day. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, I mean, she was, how long did you do that? It was a few years. Yeah, maybe seven or eight years. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean that was pretty a uh, pretty big thing for you then. And you were talking about your books that you've written. How many have you written so far? Um, this is a good question. I should know the answer to that. I think it's about twelve. That's a lot in five years. <laughs> so, what made you start uh, writing, and like, what got you into being an author? Well, I kept seeing this thing for I don't know if you've heard of it, NaNoWriMo. Mm-hmm. which is National Novel Writing Month, and it's actually International Novel Writing okay. Month. And the idea is that you write 50,000 words in one month, so in November. And I kept seeing it come up, and I always wanted to give it a go. But at the time, I was doing the work thing. I was doing the web scene, and I was also studying for a degree as well, so I never had that time. And then I finished the degree, so I thought I could take a break and take it easy. But instead, I thought I'd write a novel. So that's what I did. And I did my 50,000 words in November. And then I found out that wasn't long enough for the story. So I ended up going into December as well. Oh, wow. That's very cool. Now, do you have any particular authors that inspired you at all when doing this? Um, well, back then, I was largely like in horror and stuff. So it would be Stephen King, Sean Hudson, um, James Herbert was a big one for me as well. Very nice, very nice. Oh, and another one is um, Brian Keane. And now I get to talk to him on Twitter sometimes, so that's quite cool. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah, I think you've done some of my videos and talking with different people. I don't know if they're all authors or not, but uh, it was pretty cool to see some of that. I'm glad you're doing that vlog now, which is very nice. Hopefully you can post this up on it. Yeah, Yeah, I've got my... My own YouTube channel, which is where I'm going to post this up as a little promo. Well, not the whole thing. I post clips. And the other thing is a, like, a, we call it a podcast, but it's a video cast. Yeah. What would you call that? I don't know. But that's called Cryptids, Crips and Coffee. And that's with another author called Janine Pipe. Oh, okay. And we just talk to other indie authors about books and horror films and yeah, lots you, of bad horror films. You have done one episode of that at least, right? Because I think I've seen something like that. Yeah, we, we've done a handful of them. 
Oh, cool. I think the last one was in January, and we've both been so busy since then that we haven't done anything else. Is she an author, too, or...? Yes, she is. Um, in fact, one of the reasons why we've been busy, she's just bought out her first collection of short stories. So, if you want to check that out, it's by Janine Pipe, and it's Tainted Twisted Tales. Awesome. That's exciting. She'll probably read it. <laughs> you know <my> <laughs> I I like blow through a book usually really fast, like in maybe yeah. three days. And but I get in moods. Like I I've been really busy. My mom's been really sick, so I haven't really taken a lot of time to. But like I started reading Banished this week, and I have like nine pages left. Fine, <laughs> like, she was halfway through it the first night that she started reading. I'm like, I'm a fast. How do you do that? I'm a very fast. That's a good sign. And I usually read, like, everything twice, too, because Banished has so many characters. Like, I need to write, like, a family <laughs> tree, like, how each person is connected. That's why I have to, I'm going to read it again, because I'm like, all right, it'll be on one person's story, and then it'll go to somebody else's story. I'm like, crap, who is this person related to? And then I'll, like, flip back to find the, the other, like, part of the chapter it's about. I kind of, I really liked Banish a lot. Like, I was, I was saying to um, Anubis, like, every book that I, because I've read, how many, I think I've read The Forest, I've read Dark and Wings Flutter, I've read Hellhound, I've read your short stories that, that are in that little leaflet, and then oh, yeah. I've Banished, and I'm like, every book that you put out, it seems like you just keep getting more mature and more, um, like, a seasoned author, and this one was just written so well. It's, it's oh, thank beautiful. You. It's, it just is... I love it. I love everything about it. Um, yeah, she was busting my balls because when she was selling the ship, it, it took me, what, six or seven months to read yeah, out. Yeah, I bought And I really like that book, but man, I am just not a huge he's not a, he's not a. He's better if I read to him. So I bought the Hellhound Kindle, I believe. So I downloaded I usually would just take my Kindle when I was working on the ship and I'd read books. And I would read stupid books, too. Like, just stupid romance. It was something to do to, like, help me fall asleep. And there's not a lot of entertainment when you're working on a ship. So I bought Hellhound. He had the hard copy of Hellhound. And I get home, and I'm gone for three months, and he still didn't finish it. So I read the rest out loud to him so that he could... <laughs> Tell you what, you should do my audiobooks. Oh, her? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She could. She loves talking. <laughs> I don't like my voice though. It sounds like weird. I sound like a almost like a child. I do. I have like that weird child lispy voice. <laughs> well, what I like is because you know we're patron of you, mm -hmm. and uh, the last we're bashed, you uh, were involving your your fans and everything to sort of put in some input into your, your book, and, like, I created a character, you know, I think some other people did, too. Yeah. Uh, we all chose the tavern name, which I always thought was cool as well. Um, I really enjoyed that aspect of how you involve the rest of us into your world of story building, I guess. And uh, she was like, once she started reading Bash, like, oh, yeah, I have a character in there. <laughs> and I started going, which one is you? And I'm like, is it... Uh... She's reading a mom like, that's it, Lucian, that was it. I was it. like, yeah, that sounds like a name that you'd make up. Yeah. And I took it from the guy from Underworld, so there you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, um, 
How does your new book, Everfrost, kind of continue that saga? What's the premise of all that? Oh, wait a minute. Everfrost is going to be a continuation of Banished? Mm -hmm. Yes, kind of a loose sequel. So if you haven't read Banished, it should still make sense on its own. But there's bits where they refer back. Oh, okay. I'm very excited about this. Because, yeah, the top banished it. What, it, what is the, um, it says, like, a world of something novel. Um, yeah, um, Venari. Thank you, Venari. <laughs> so you're going to have, like, a whole Venari series? Yeah, I've got um, Everfrost, that is the loose sequel to Banished. And then there's also Creep, which is going to come out around the same time, which is a prequel. And then oh, after that... I'd love to know the prequel. <laughs> and after that, I'm writing a whole trilogy set after Everfrost. Yeah, I know that because uh, whoever does the art for your books is amazing. I love it. Like, it's really good. Yeah, that's Neil Fraser, and he is awesome. And he's yeah. a Patreon as well. Yeah, I saw, uh, I guess, the art for Creep, and I was like, that's pretty cool, man. This guy's really good at this shit. <laughs> So he started yeah, the from the front of Banished, it like totally captures like what the demons are in in Banished. I'm like, it looks just like the way she described it, <laughs> and it happens so cool because what happened was I was I sketched some like really rubbish sketches of these demons and I posted them up on Patreon, and then like the next day Neil sent me like a rough version of what turned out to be the cover. And I was like, can I use this? He goes, no, I'll make it better. <laughs> uh, typical artist so now i've told him he has to do all my covers so okay so Venari is that how you pronounce it yeah uh so is this like a particular universe that you um, created it's like a whole kind of medieval world but not our medieval so there's like some things that will be different and uh, it's basically full of things that want to eat you Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, because uh, I notice you also uh, when you do your little videos and Patreon like stuff, you like have like maps of. I love people. a map. Yeah. So, like, I'm just wondering, are you going to end up putting together some sort of collection of the maps and the world that you've got in your head, so that if people are reading these books, they can kind of just look at it and say, "Oh, this is so amazing. This is like Lord of the Rings type shit," you know? Oh, that would be awesome. I do like, I do have a kind of plan. I don't know if it's just going to be for Patreon or if I open it out. But when Everfrost comes out, I want to do like a little little guidebook. You know, like the book I had with the short stories in that little pamphlet thing. Yeah. Maybe do one of those with like some maps in and some artwork. That's and awesome. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Well, because in, in Banished, they, they talk about going to the forest, and then there's a lake, and then there's one village that they focus on, but then they keep talking about this other village, Redfern, and it's like, you know, it's out there, far away, and so it would be interesting to kind of see, because they're like, oh, it could be bandits or raiders, or we'll just tell them that they went back to Redfern, because there's, there's a guy in the in the book who, he's supposed to be a holy man, but he's really not. Oh, Father Arcadius. <laughs> yeah, she's like, explain Banished to me, and she's like, it's got everything. It's got zombies, it's got werewolves, it's got... <laughs> it has, it has uh, the remnants of, of dragons, it has, um, I don't know, demons, it has a little bit of everything. Evil, having like the sight and the vision, 
Now, out of, your, out of your books that you've created now, do you have one particular favorite that you've written? Um, at the moment, it's probably Banished, just because that, maybe that's the newest one. And when Everfrost comes out, it'll be Everfrost. <laughs> it's a tough question, I know. I was putting you on the spot. <laughs> how, about, how about outside of your writing? Um, what's like a favorite book that you really love that you always go back to? Oh, that's tough. Well, um, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are favorites, but also Stephen King's It. Great it's a good book. one. Very good book. It's a long one, but it's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I remember when the show, the movie came out on TV. I'm like, dude, this doesn't even do justice to the book. The book I remember reading was like thick as hell. So. <laughs> it's like a proper doorstop. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It's basically, like it's it's yeah. like basically having an encyclopedia or something. <laughs> so when you're creating these worlds and these stories, what's your process like? Like I always kind of curious. When I watch movies about authors, and it could be anything, but it's like they're there for months on end trying to come up with their ideas and stuff. So what is it like for Lou Yardley to come up with a book? Um, most of the time, I ha I start with a scene just with some random characters and I like, won't know who they are or anything, but we'll just start with that one scene and then I have to start building out from that. Start with Banished, it actually started off as being a story set in our time and our world. So before I started building this whole fantasy world, it was going to be set here in some remote village. But then I thought the whole sending old people off into the forest, someone might have something to say to, about that. <laughs> <laughs> like the police might be called or something so that doesn't yeah, really work say, what is Lou doing she's in a darkened room <laughs> <laughs> and then at the start of the pandemic so in our first lockdown I got really into doing like random history courses online I thought ah I could just set the story in medieval times and then it went from being like a realistic medieval times to there could be like more monsters and weird stuff happening so that's what happened that was for that story. Yeah, like she, she always. I mean, this is just a side thing here. I, for a little while, I was on this forum with this other chick from that I met on a Harry Potter forum, and we were writing fan fiction for a while. And I actually took like a lot of the different elements of Lord of the Rings, Underworld, uh, Harry Potter, and I was kind of combining everything, but through timelines, and. Uh, it was similar to what you just described. Like, I just, I started adding in different things, dragons and all those stuff. And I was kind of happy. She never got around to reading it, but. He wouldn't let me read it. He <laughs> thought I'd make fun of him. She would. She would. Do you she know what? I still don't let Mark, my other half, read my books. I don't have any you, writing. You won't skill. let him read your books? He's not allowed. <laughs> but I'll ask him random questions. I'll be like, oh, so what would happen if you were burned alive? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. The, see, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything in case somebody hasn't read Banished yet. But yeah, somebody does get burned alive, and and <laughs> yeah, Lou was gonna like, oh, I know somebody character, but I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and what if she names somebody in the book, like after her, her, um, her boyfriend, and then he'd be like, is this what you really think of me? Is this what you think is gonna like? Well, it's got to be some sort of, like, 
I mean, do you draw like personal experiences just like I hope not, not. Like, I hope you read my book. <laughs> well yeah, Hellhound, but I mean <laughs> Yeah, she personally has been uh bitten by a werewolf and uh so I'm jealous then, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I still love that book a lot though. Even though I haven't got the shit and Everfrost and all that stuff. But I don't did you read Dark and Wings Flutter? I have it. Do I have the book or do we, I have we the, the Kindle? Book. No, we have, you might have both. I might I have, have book right over oh, there. Oh, the book's over? Okay. Because I read that one. That's, I think, my app, my favorite. And I think it's just because I like the Mothman. <laughs> I don't I call it the Mothman. I don't know. What, I forgot what his real name was. <laughs> and, the, and the girl talking to him all the time. That was, it was just wild. It was such a wild book. Children being abducted. Shit happening. Don't go in the forest. See, these are all great themes i like i need him like movie form (laughs) i think with him is his attention span for reading he's a slower reader than me and his attention span so he'll get through like three pages and then he's like what's on tv where me i'll watch tv and read at the same time and yeah you know i think because really when i was doing all the fan fiction stuff i hadn't even really got into the music like as far as the station and the podcast i hadn't done any of this i had all this extra time you still have all this extra time. No, I don't really don't. I put a lot of this shit together. Um, so, when you're writing, because I've heard a lot of different writers, they'll be like, oh, I've outlined this. Do you actually sit down and make, like, an outline of your book and how you expect it to be? Or is it, is it more, like, free-flowing? Th- free Kind of like, because you were saying you start with a scene and then just kind of build out, but do you sit down and outline it, or is it you just start writing and see what happens, and then you go back and do a lot of editing? Um, when I first started, I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants, you know, just making it up as, as I went along. So all the surprising things that happened in the stories were surprising to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> but now that I've got all these books and they're kind of interlinked somehow, I've had to make a plan. Because mm-hmm. I you get get to halfway through and you think, hold on, they were meant to do that. <laughs> and you know somebody, because people do it all the time with like TV shows or movies, and, and if something happened in like the first movie, but then you go to like the fifth movie and they had it all wrong, people are like, that's wrong. That, But you, you, as said, a, this. <laughs> you said this, but it, I, I'm sure like because you're making like such a process of it, Yes, you wrote the book, but you're not thinking 100% about your first book all the time. No. You're working on something new, so it might slip back in the back of your head, and, and then somebody will be like, that's not right. She said this happened in the first book. Mm, yeah, that could be problematic. Well, People go crazy. Like, um, just little things that I've noticed on, on shows, they're like, oh, back in, in uh, the first season of this show, they said that they didn't have a sewer system, and now they're saying they're putting the sewer system in, and it's the eighth season. I'm like, this is like, this is just people bitching online about something so minute that it makes no difference in a, a show, but they're complaining about a sewer system instead of septic. But the way out is just to say it's magic. That's right. That's true. Very true. I like that. It was always meant to be that way because of magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Well, I got. I was bringing up the fan fiction thing that I was doing for oh, a while because <laughs> for me, like sometimes when I was doing that, I like to listen to certain types of music. So I was curious, like, 
because you know you, you got this fantasy and horror world that you're building do you oftentimes find yourself thinking of musical themes while you're doing it or listening to it while you write uh yeah i kind of switch between listening to like bands and stuff to like atmospheric music on youtube mm-hmm. they have like these fantasy tavern kind of music things that you can put on and then they go on for like days <laughs> yeah yeah but it's good atmosphere very in fact i think a lot of times that works well when you're reading too we yeah i put that on it that that's my new thing at night is it's like the yoga meditation sound it's like woo and the waves so i i usually read before bed i turn that on and then it's like boom 15 minutes i'm like lights out yeah, i love it i'm talking more like dark atmospheric stuff well i'm eerie, talking about nice relaxing i'm listening to nice relaxing music while i'm reading about people being eaten by demons so it just it all up that's like the sign of a serial killer it know? all fits together <laughs> it evens you out sometimes you want to be a killer sometimes you don't have you ever thought about or has anyone ever approached you about ghostwriting for them because you're a very good author like just your the way that you use words and the way that you like develop things i've heard a lot of times that people who are people will come to other authors and say hey this is my idea and this is my outline you make the story and you you uh write it and but i'm going to publish it under my name and then but these ghost writers end up making like a ton of money because they're the ones who are they'll be like okay yeah my my fee is like four dollars a word or something and then no i've never been asked to do that but oh really look into it because you you are really a writer and somebody could just come to you and be like okay listen this is my idea and then you're the one who you you set your rate like four dollars a word five dollars a word whatever and they pay you and that's how awesome. those romance novels are those crappy romance novels that i read it's somebody just says hey here write this crappy romance novel and they write it and then dummies like me read it just for and they're they're super they're super short and they're just stupid entertainment it's like oh somebody's getting a divorce and then they go back home and oh they're working on a ranch and the sexy ranch hand now is your love interest that's what every single one is but i i'm a sucker for them and i read them (laughs) see that's why those authors have so many books as well i guess Mm -hmm. that's why I'm just noticing, is the uh, Everfrost cover on that tapestry behind you? Yes, it is. Oh, that's really cool. And I put it up, and then I realized, this is a podcast. No one's going to see it. <laughs> well, we, we, can, we can do, a, like, a screen cap, because when he puts his, his uh, thing up, he'll put, like, a screen. So we could do a screen cap of that, and then you'll be able to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll do a screen cap of you pointing like that. It's great. <laughs> There you go. There's the little I know. <laughs> so, um, I know I've talked to you about this before, just in fun, but if you were to have any of your books put into, like, movies or TV series, what kind of director or what director would you like to have doing that? Oh, that's a good question. Basically, because I don't know many directors. <laughs> <laughs> I want the guy. Or the girl. Well, Peter Jackson did all the Lord and the Rings, yeah. Hobbit stuff. So, and you did a pretty good job with that. Um, I really like Christopher Nolan. I just don't know 
he does a lot of weird stuff, but I don't know if he does like any kind of horror stuff. So it's it's kind of hard to see what he would do with that. What about Zack Snyder? You like you like The Watchmen. I do. And you like the 300. He's doing Army of the Dead, but, you know, I kind of worry about the CGI stuff. That, but, I mean, you need a nice, dark, kind of, like, ominous type thing. Oh, Panos Kamatos. He's the guy that does uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy. Oh, my God, those are the weirdest movies I've ever watched. I was We were watching Mandy last night, and I'm like, what is going on? It's like a really bad acid trip, and I'm like, not even sure if there is a point to the story there at is. all. There you just weren't paying attention. I was reading. <laughs> the book was more interesting to me. She's so much more quiet than I thought she would be. Who, Luke? Not me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just quiet and awkward. So I've just been joined by my co-host. Is your hat? Oh, <gasps> hey, buddy. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Hello. It's Gizmo. Everyone Gizmo. gets that for kitties. Gizmo? Really? Gizmo, yeah. Nice. Don't beat him <laughs> Yeah, don't beat him out the window. Don't get him wet. <laughs> Is your hat uh, the Mad Hatter? It's a Cheshire. Uh, Cheshire cat. Oh, okay. That's cool. Where are you going? So I'm See, just being kind so, now. Cats are so great. They're like the per, they're like an accessory. They chill. They sit on your lap. You don't. You know, there's there's really even though she's old, she's really low maintenance and all. Like, I feel like I love dogs, but I'm so lazy sometimes in the morning that there would be no way in hell I could take a dog for a walk before I went to work. At all. I, I just, I wake up, I'm grumpy, and I barely have enough energy to feed her. Like, that's why I love, like, she's just here next to me. Miss Kitty and I, just chilling. I can just give her a little scratch. Yeah, right? Meanwhile, we keep two rabbits in our bedroom. The, the rabbits are great. They are a phenomenal pet. They're also kind of, they're low maintenance. You just, you have to make sure everything is put up or they will chew everything wired. Your wall, everything, my our bed, like our our um our our blankets, they like rip them up. That's all they do is chew, and we give them everything in the world to chew, but they want to chew other the things stuff. that they're not allowed to chew. But they're just stupid. They're stupid amazing. Ass. I love them. Oh my god, they're so cute. They're like little nuggets, and I in the second bedroom of our house. I work from home a lot, so I'll just you know I'll be typing away working, and the little one will just come hopping in, and he'll just like give me a little headbutt, and then start Aww. like yanking on my my shoe, or and I'm like hi, and then I'm like can I pick you up, and it's like nope, no, they're, <laughs> they're not into being picked up, but they will take every treat from you, and they will just like kind of sit by your feet. I don't know. This is we get all these animals because. People need homes for their animals. They're like, oh, can you take Mr. Peabody? Because my friend is moving across the country and they can't take the rabbit. So, of course, Mr. Peabody needs a friend. So that's how we got the other one. That's how we got her. Yeah, a friend of mine's like, oh, yeah, uh, my my cat needs a home. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, we got a few cats like that as well. We've got seven of them now. But, yeah. Us, we had four at one time plus just, a rabbit. I just learned that Lady Fatblood has nine. Really? Yeah, nine cats. I'm okay. See, that's the thing. I'm okay. Like, the only reason we only have one right now is because she's so old and she really likes to be the only cat. She we, does. We not didn't like realize it. Yeah. She was our last addition. 
and we already had three pets. So it was just kind of like, but then um, a friend of mine again asked if we could take it. it was another senior cat. He was 16 and we moved him in and she is not pleased at all. She was, she would growl at him. And I'm like, this is like two senior citizens fighting. <laughs> all they're doing is like, like she's growling and he's going like this. There's no fighting because they're both too old to fight. And after um, Mickey died, because, again, he was old, too, um, we said, we're just going to leave her until she's she's done with this world, and then we're going to adopt an entire litter of kittens. Let's <laughs> <laughs> make up for lost time. <laughs> well, but I, for now, it's her house. It's her house. She's the boss. So when you were um, starting out your writing and all that, was it hard to get a publisher? Like, what was the process for getting someone to publish your works? So I cheated, <laughs> and all my stuff is self-published. So in a way, it makes it easier, but it does mean that I'm responsible for the artwork, for the editing, for the promotion. promotion. Yeah, that's the hardest bit. Um, yeah, so everything. You end up being like a one-man band, and you're doing it all yourself. But that's, on the other hand, you've got all the control. Actually, pretty smart, actually, I guess, because I don't know. Is, do authors run into problems where if they, I mean, you would know this world more than me, like if they go to a publisher and say, okay, I'm going to make this book, and the publisher comes up with this artwork, but you're not crazy about it, would they force that on the book, or do they still allow the author to choose what they want? I don't know. Ends because like some people, it's almost like like signing a, a deal, like a record deal. I'm sure to a point where it's like, okay, well, I have, I am giving you a five book deal, so they they probably give you an advance or whatever, and they're like, this is, you know, the stipulations for this. But I think some people they don't get like deals they get picked up by publishers and on that they have a little bit more control but when you have a publisher who like gives you an advance and they get they sign you quote unquote to a deal i think they kind of force more of their influence on things because it's just like what you see in the music industry when you you get with a certain um record label you you some people remember we were talking about um napalm death when they were with uh what you call it they were just kind of getting shunned to the side and they're like hey what about us until they flipped what are they with now napalm death rec record label uh, uh i'm not sure uh, but they were with roadrunner right with eric eric sorry i think they're roadrunner yeah. now and that that's kind of like what happens with authors too like these there are huge publishing houses but there's also smaller publishing houses and i think these big ones are the ones that are like okay we're giving you all this upfront money we kind of have a little bit of control over this but for you, you are kind of lucky because you do have full artistic control over everything, but it is a lot more yeah. work for you. And also, I can choose when it comes out. I can mm -hmm. pick the publication date. So I got, yeah, No pressure to, to have it out Yeah, we need day. this out by Christmas. Time's <laughs> <laughs> <Mine's> ticking. <laughs> uh, so what is your plans going forward? Like, what do you have set in mind for you? I know Creep will be coming out, but are you got any other ideas? Popping around ahead of yours. Yep. So, as you said, Creeps coming out. That's with my alpha reader at the moment. So she's given it the first look over. Um, Banished is with my beta readers. So they've got that till, I think, the end of this month. That was the deadline I set. <laughs> <laughs> so then after that, I'll do some more edits on that. And then eventually both of those will come out 
this summer, so I may move for like end of June, beginning of July maybe. And then after that, well actually at the moment I'm working on the next trilogy that comes after Everfrost. So oh wow. That'll so, take up. So you're going to have Banished and then Everfrost, but then there's going to be like another split off from Everfrost? Yeah. Wow. And it's happening in the same world? Yep. Okay, um, and it's fine. That's crazy. the main character from Everfrost as well. So you get to see what she's doing after that. So yeah, that's... And then I've kind of got a rough idea for another trilogy after that one. Because that trilogy's called The Rise of the Fall. And then you're going to see the fall. <laughs> so you're really like, you've got a nice plan for yourself over the next couple of years. Just well, to... to be busy. <laughs> so when do we get Hellhound 2? Electric Boogaloo? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's going to be called, too. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, Hellhound 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Because I really like that book. I mean, obviously, I love werewolves. I have to get into Banish because I know that there's werewolves and Everfrost and all that. So I got to kind of like start getting into all that. But uh, Hellhound was a really genius approach. I really I, that's the one thing I really liked about it. It was like different. It wasn't just like uh, you know your standard yeah your standard werewolf story. It was it was very different, and I really liked that. Yeah, the werewolves in Everfrost as well. They're a bit different as well. Oh, cool. There's no, like, weird little worms in this one, but... (laughs) (laughs) They're they're pets, and in Everfrost, they're they're pets, so you can have your own pet werewolf. (laughs) Okay. He's like taking for walks, though. (laughs) Yeah, taking for a walk. That's a lot of work. I know, and that's going to be a long walk, because they're pretty big. (laughs) When they get wet, there's that weird werewolf smell. Oh, yeah, yeah, stinky, stinky dog. <laughs> oh, my God, they just made me think of those Twilight movies where... That's what she says. She says, it sounds like a wet dog. That's exactly right. She's like, it smells like a dog. <laughs> I've never seen those films. <laughs> um, they're not, but they're kind of just funny on their own way, like... The, the girl that plays Alice, um, who makes that comment, she's there's just a moment where she's there with uh, Kristen Stewart's character and then Taylor, uh, the, who plays the werewolf. She's kind of like, yeah, someone put the mud out. <laughs> it's like this con- this like confrontation between vampire and werewolf is just kind of funny. It was interesting when those books came out because I, I grabbed the first one and I read it and I was like, Okay, and I was like, this is kind of, like, sad, and it's kind of like this and that, and it's kind of a love story. But then I, I always reread my books that I buy, and I, I read it again, and I'm like, this actually sounds like a really abusive relationship. Like, my, my second take on it, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> the more I read it, I was like, this sounds like an abusive relationship. It's not romantic that this guy is like so controlling or whatever but you don't really see that in the movies because they want to make it for teenagers no, i'm really sorry but i think my neighbors just started drilling the wall so if is you that pick what? that up that's what that is wow <laughs> i thought maybe you were opening the hell mouth or that's something like, <laughs> <laughs> just letting the werewolf out for his so where can uh, people find your work and information about you i know you have louyardley.com um, I've seen you on Amazon. I guess your stuff's available on Kindle and eBooks. Is that right? Yeah. Um, 
Banished is available on Kindle Unlimited as well, so if you've got a subscription, you can read it for free. Oh, that's awesome! Um, where else? Um, paperbacks and hardbacks and stuff, they're available anywhere where books are sold, so even if they don't have them in the shop, you can get them ordered in. And yeah, um, I'm on Twitter pretty much all the time. <laughs> yeah, so your Twitter is now Lou Yardley, right? That's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And do you have people go to your Facebook at all or no? Uh, I do have a Facebook, and if you message me there, I will reply, but Twitter seems to be the busier platform right. for some reason. I haven't, like, I'm so bad on social media. Like, I'll get, like, a little boost or whatever, and I'll be on it, and then I'm like, it's just extra time. Like, I think I've been on Facebook maybe once or twice this week, and it's just like... Extra time. I feel like it's I could be reading. <laughs> right? right? That, that's, that's my thing. Like, I feel like now that we've created all these social media and you have to have an account on everything, it's like having another life outside of having a life. Now, granted, I really enjoy social media because especially you don't live anywhere near us. So I can send you a message or I can catch up and see what you're doing. Or I have friends and family all over the world. However... I don't want to make it a chore, like, I'm on Facebook yeah. all trying to catch up or trying to, like, put what my life is about. I, like, you know, I don't know. It's like admin work. Exactly. <laughs> and I know you got your YouTube channel, did a vlog. Yes. Um, that We need to get that thing rolling, man, because I think that's a great idea. I think it is, too. I think, I honestly think that people are starting to, um, you might want to do like what do you call it simulcast or whatever like because like facebook is starting to do that too oh, I know you know I, I don't know what the right word is like put it up on both yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what samurai does yeah because i feel like the videos are where people are really starting to go like facebook is for old people like me now and like all the youngins are going on the the youtube channels and on tiktok which i still haven't quite figured that out or snap. yeah i still don't understand tiktok mm -mm. i i downloaded it and then i'm like what am i supposed to do i don't think i even go on instagram <laughs> anymore instagram's the only one to go on because i'm like ooh, pictures of cats yeah. <laughs> there's a cat or i i made a lot of when i was traveling i made a lot of um friends or i made like not other people who work in in the sea industry and we would all like everybody post pictures of where they are and i was like this is really cool because these are very beautiful pictures but literally i that's what i do i just like oh look there's a cat oh look there's somebody's baby oh look that's a pretty sunset and that's kind of like what i need in my social media world like whereas i see the younger people they're they they're like i don't know i hear tiktok is amazing and i, I haven't figured it out there's dances there's yeah. challenges there's I, I don't know i have no idea I, I can't i can't figure it out it's got my head around youtube give me a chance <laughs> but as you can probably tell i'm quite like a quiet and reserved kind of person so i, I was reluctant to get on youtube but once i started doing it so like, this is fun huh? yeah yeah like it, it, just like the podcast like i mean we're not the greatest in the world, but we really enjoy it, and it's a lot of fun. It's something for us to do and share music and talk with people like you and uh, other topics that we talk about. So it's just a lot of fun just to do it. I think for me, like I, because we did something with Fat Samurai Guy uh, on one of his, like he did a live thing, and I'm like, I just get really nervous with a camera on me. Like, 
I'm like, uh. And now I'm glad w- whatever we're doing here, it, the picture is really small and you're big. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't see myself, so that's good because I get like really, oh. So do I when look you like? go to post this on your YouTube, make sure our picture's big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just to drive her crazy. It's just, it, it does, uh, I don't know. That's why I can't do YouTube. <laughs> Because I get too like hung up on like, what do I look like? Am I making a weird face? Or, or, or I'm always my... making a weird face. <laughs> <laughs> are my glasses like, are they clouded or something? Oh, I can't see now. Oh. Mm. So how's the podcast going? It's going all right. Uh, we actually get decent amount of downloads. Um, right now, because she's so busy with uh, work, because she has a new job, and then her mom and everything. So we had like a, a specific. Uh, specific segment we were doing for watching dvds and stuff so we kind of have to hit or miss there right now with that because just time we didn't do it this week because my mom is in the hospital getting um it's her fifth uh chemo cycle so it should be her last one hopefully and um so i've been up there like i go up i was up there this morning and it's just hard because i want to be up there as much as possible even like half the time she's just sleeping but i i I hate that she's up there alone, but when I left today, yeah. she was just, like, rolled up in a little burrito and <laughs> snoring. I'm like, she'll be fine. <laughs> you know, she's, she's okay, and she's, um, but I hate it. I hate thinking, like, oh, she's all by herself, and there, you know, even though a lot of COVID restrictions have kind of been relaxed, one time when she went in there, she was not allowed to have any visitors because of the COVID restrictions, but what, you can only have, yeah. You can only have one person as your designated visitor, and it's me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to work all day. And then I go to see her. And then this morning I try, I went to see her, and I didn't realize she wasn't feeling well because yesterday she was feeling pretty good. And she's like, oh, I just, I'm, I'm not doing good today. I have a little bit of a fever. I'm nauseous, blah, blah, blah. So after she fell asleep, I just came home, and I'm like, but she's still by herself, you know. But trust me, my dad is harassing her, like, nonstop probably on FaceTime being like, hey, pay attention. Hey, baby, how you feeling? <laughs> oh, hon, are you okay? It's, 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 it's a lot. So that's why the uh, the movie kind of got pushed to the back, because by the time I get home, I'm like, oh, it's like 8.30, 9 o'clock, and then I have to work the next day, and I, you have to dedicate like two hours to watching a movie. At least, yeah. But we'll probably get back to her, because we alternate picks. So. so the next pick is for me, and I, I really, we haven't watched a comedy yet. And we literally... Well, we did with Wayne's World. That oh, was. that's right. It was one of my... Well, we literally have this big, nice piece of furniture that opens up, like, two doors, and it's all DVDs that we've collected over the years. And I'm like, he made the comment one day, like, we never watch any of our DVDs and we buy them. Yeah. Maybe we should, like, Same. make it a point to watch them. Yeah. So, um... I had a question about, I don't even know how to bring this, like, you have your, the foundation for your nephew, Max the Brave. Um, What is the website for that if people want to go and um, if there's any donations being um, done anymore or I I didn't know how that was going? Yeah, um, you can go to the website at Mm maxthebravefund.org. Uh, up until recently, we were raising money through names pages for Great Ormond Street Hospital in London oh, and sweet. the Shooting Stars Hospice, where he went at the end. Mm. 
but now my sister's setting up the charity properly so we're getting registered so it's going to be a big official charity that's really awesome yeah it's really great it's really sweet i mean it's very sad obviously but it's 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 to me like doing something like that to try to to help other people who've gone through something similar it's it's a really beautiful thing because yeah, i know I'm, right now with you know my mom yeah and i mean the all the staff at great ormond street where max ended up spending most of his life they were they were so amazing to our whole family so anything that we can do to give back to them is just brilliant yeah that's a great, great thing to do. That is a great, a great idea to like make it a, a charity through them, and so. Oh, well, that's the other thing. Another thing to plug. Oh, um, yeah, last year, you probably know about this already, but last year, um, what they called Red Red Cape Publishing and Philip Rogers PR. He also does PR for me as well. Um, they put together a horror anthology. And all the proceeds for for that go to Max the Brave. Oh yeah, I remember seeing oh, that. That's awesome. That was really cool. Yeah. And that's called "It Came from the Darkness," and it's on Amazon and Kindle. And yeah. Yeah, you need to get that. I do need to order that. I did. I did. I didn't know that that was out there. This is how much I miss. That's because I'm not on social media ninety percent of the time. Like me. That's it. You need to be on Twitter. I am so We're, bad at Well, Twitter. she is on Twitter. We're all on Twitter. It's just, actually, we both are barely on. I usually just advertise the podcast, and now I'm kind of done. But, yeah, I need to be more active on that. And that's just, like, back in the day, it, it was diff. This is me. I sound so old. Back in the <laughs> in day. day. <laughs> it was different. Like, the way things, the way people found out about, I'm sorry, the way, I just kicked him. <laughs> But the way things, way you find out about things was way different. Like now, you have to be on social media, and that's where you find like even a, a sale for like yeah. it used to be. Oh yeah, I got the the flyers, and I go. No, everything is on social media. Everything is on Twitter. I'm just bad at it. <laughs> I, I need to get better, and I because I either get sucked in or I just forget about it. So I, I don't have like a happy medium. I'll I'll just you need like, a middle ground. Just I know. That's just me and my life in general. I'm either. Well, we need to do this again sometime. Absolutely. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. How has it taken us so long to talk like this? I, I don't know. know. Well, he just got <laughs> he just got a video cam. That's well, the big thing. Well, I have one. It's built oh, in. Oh, it's really scary looking. It looks terrible. like um, it looks like the footage that you get of somebody <laughs> who's being kidnapped, and then like. The, Kidnapper sends it to the family. Paranormal activity. Yeah, or yeah paranormal. Shit. It's like a really <laughs> terrible picture. And so he bought this other one, and it's nice. Like, it's a great picture. I kind of want to see what the other one's like. Oh, <laughs> I think he disabled it. It's horrendous. Oh, it's terrible. Like, you would barely see it. It's all grainy. It is. That's, and I think the one it's that CCTV. we have now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the one we have now has, like, what do you call it? The, uh... Um, low light, or because it's very, we're in the basement, there's low light down here. Hello, ma'am. And I think that's what helps is because we've, it's got like the extra low light. The other one, you needed to have like a bright light right next to you. That didn't always And help. it didn't even help. It, it made it look like bright and grainy instead of. 
Regular granny. <laughs> Gray and granny. Well, thanks again, Lou. Appreciate it. I'll be sure to uh, send this over to you, and then you can do with it as you will. We're going to put it in our podcast. I think we're going to do that probably when we're done here. So yeah, we're going to like just put this like whole interview in so that everybody can hear. I don't even know how. I mean, yeah, I guess we can just play it, right? Yeah, should, yeah. I've never done it to this, but I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Not a big deal. Thank you so much. Thank you, hon. Love talking to you. We'll have to do this again. Absolutely. When the next books come out, I'll come back on. There you go. And then when every book comes out, you'll be sick of me. No! (laughs) We'll have you on as much as you want. All right. That was our interview with author Lou Yardley. We appreciate it much that she took the time to do that with us. Love her to death. I love Lou. She's so sweet, and she's so, like, sophisticated, and I was just kind of joking with Anubis. I'm like, yeah, here I am being, like, blah, 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 and I'm all loud and crass, and she's just, like, this nice, you know, calm-sounding, you know, dulcet voice, and I'm, you know, awful. Anyway. Well, no, it's fine. I think we noticed there was like some sound issues in there, but I have to kind of research a little bit so the next time we. I don't think there was really sound issues. I'm just really loud. No, I could hear some of the feed, uh, not feedback, but like some of our talking was faded in and out there. For I'm not sure why for just moving or if it's something to do with the typical program that it is. I have to just kind of look it up because there's ways to kind of tune that shit up. Turn right. that shit up, yo. Gonna get back into some more black metal. Black metal? Got some Winter for Last, new stuff from Ekahenen, and then new Seth kicking it all off. Here we go.
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at A328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and is highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent ya. Right, it's about that time. The rock block has come upon us. Oh yeah. Brand new stuff from uh, Liv Christine, Axe Witch, Surviving September, provided by Curtain Call Records. Mm -hmm. uh, Neko's pick of the week of calls. Mm -hmm. Angels PR uh, giving us a band called Zumbi, which is pretty cool. With a Go Deep song. The what? The song's called Go Deep. Okay. Pretty cool. Uh, but I have a late entry to kick it all off, and I thought Neko would really appreciate this. Okay. Uh, I don't know if this is uh, going to appear on an upcoming album or not, because I know they haven't done anything in a while, but uh, if you know, we both love the band Pain, mm -hmm. Peter Tattergren. Mm -hmm. They do a cover of Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. Oh, nice. So they just released that on video, so we're going to play that now and kick off our rock block, so enjoy, and we'll be back in a few. That sounds great.
Buildings seem so pale The streets somehow so empty I thought I'd wish you well I formed the words anew I know you'll make it through Somehow just don't worry The summit of it all was ended by this moment Time and tide go on like lovers in a sonnet My tears in a cascade, your tears in here and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related and check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaborations with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw and real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. 
Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace.
back. We're back. Branded stuff by Axe Witch. Dues to pay. I really like that. Um, it, you said it was brand new, and I was like, this kind of like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, it's that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I really it's like, like it. Like cross though. between hard rock and metal. Mm -hmm. heavy metal so. Totally got that old school vibe that I like, and you like clearly. Mm -hmm. So, Neko's pick of the week, what do you have for us? So, I don't know if the listening audience knows, but DJ Neko really likes wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually having some wine right now. But, but what DJ Neko does a lot of times when she's being an insomniac, she'll, she'll drink her wine and she'll turn on YouTube and I like to and she'll spend hours hours just watching music videos and it it really sucks sometimes because I do become an insomniac and I absolutely cannot fall asleep but I'll just like you know sip on my wine listen to music that just I don't know takes me back stuff that I enjoy and YouTube because it is such a beautiful thing, and it starts creating playlists for me. I'm trying to think, maybe uh, two weeks ago, I was just kind of scrolling through my YouTube, and it was like ultimate, you know, classic rock jams or whatever, and I turned it on. I was cleaning the house and just kind of not doing anything exciting. However... The song that I picked for this week was on that list. Now, this is what's hysterical about this. I like this band, but I never think about them. Are you like that? Yeah, when you brought it up, I sat there and said to myself, it's actually a band I like, and but I don't often think about them. And I don't know why, it's just it's, it's somehow... I even have it on vinyl. I have, I think, this album on vinyl. Is that the one with the red pants? Yeah. Yeah. So, I have this on vinyl. I just never say, I'm going to turn on Loverboy. No, I mean, like, I don't know why, because it's not a terrible band at all. They're an awesome band. That fucking headband. Oh my god! <laughs> the headband on the lead singer and his moves. I feel like I feel like sometimes, and this happens to a lot of '80s rock bands. There, there were like mega stars in the '80s. You know, you had your Guns N' Roses, you had your Van Halen, you had your Def Leppard, like your mega, mega, mega stars. And I feel like Loverboy is such a good band, but they kind of got overshadowed by a lot of these mega stars and I don't know how many times Loverboy would come up in my playlist on my YouTube channels and stuff and I'm like I love this song I love this song I, and you forget like it's kind of like cheap trick a lot of cheap trick stuff kind of gets you know you're like oh everybody thinks like I want you to want me because that was like their big you know thing that just always always plays but I forget how many great songs cheap trick has done same thing with Loverboy so, this song, about two weeks ago, pops up on my YouTube, and I said, what? <laughs> I forgot about this. How, how did I forget about this song? And I think you and I were watching it 
Because I was like, look at him. Look at how he's dancing. Look at his headband. This is like the epitome of the 80s. And so... Yeah, it's like, you know, when you brought up the idea to play this, like I'm sitting there going, yeah, you know, towards the late 80s, they were always putting videos that you had working for the weekend or um, loving every minute of it and stuff like that. And I'm like, even this song, I'm like, man, yeah, they used to be hot. And I'm like, I just never really think. I think because part of the reason why they, they have this borderline vibe of music that goes between rock and kind of like pop rock because they they often fall into the pop rock area like kind of like um if you think of like 38 special and stuff like that it's it's just bands you don't normally think of when you think of like rock and roll like and i've seen 38 special live like they're not bad no so it's it's just one of those bands that kind of you know sits in the middle there but like they are very good and they do rock and like i have no problem listening to any of their stuff like it's just kind of funny that they do get overlooked a lot and it makes me sad too because this song this music video is perfection like i i I could watch i watch i think i did watch it like over and over that night when i was like hold up why have I not listened to this song or this album or watched this video in such a long time? And I hate, this is the problem with, you know, I, I don't want to say getting older, but just being exposed to so much music. You just, you have these bands that are amazing and sometimes they just fly under the radar. But today, Loverboy is not flying under the radar. Today, Loverboy is my pick of the week. And the song I'm picking is Turn Me Loose, Turn Me Loose. <laughs> Gonna do it my way. Oh my god. Audio jump. Attention please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. DJ Neko's Pick of the Week.
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. Alright, we're back. Oh, baby, that was an amazing rock block. Very I have good to stuff. Say. Yeah, what'd you think of that pain? I love, you know I love giving, my mom, loved it. I lo- <laughs> loved it, I love the Rolling Stones, but my mom loves the Rolling Stones, I kind of grew up on the Rolling Stones, and my mom's favorite uh, Rolling Stones song is Give Me Shelter, but what I really liked, because Payne did that cover of Eleanor Rigby too, yeah, yeah. I love them because they're not trying to be like a karaoke version of whatever now song. they get very pro- creative with their arrangements and i think that's one thing i appreciate with peter like even if you look at if you're a metal purist or whatever and you look at pain you say ah you know that's mainstream kind of stuff i'm like well that's fine because that's what peter was kind of doing he was taking that project and using it as a way to like get more money. You'll get more money through paint than you ever would through hypocrisy. So if you want to do this you kind just of business. blew my mind. I, I didn't realize it was the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's the thing. Like when I, when we talk about artists who, you know, they're part of one band, they kind of like Metallica changed their sound and their looks and everything. I'm like, they probably could have kept doing Metallica and just done another project to make money as, as if they did. Now, it doesn't matter. It's their band. They can do whatever they want with it. But I just have more respect for artists who decide, okay, I'm not going to tarnish or change what I have with this band because I like what I'm doing with that band. And I'm going to go do something else where I think that I can get a little more financial means out of it. And that's, you know. Well, I also, <clears throat> you and I talk about Devin Townsend a lot. We we worship him. We think he is a fucking genius. And that's kind of how Devin is. He is always got his hands in some kind of project. And he's like, okay, this is my prog project. This is my single project. This is my metal project. And I appreciate oh, his punk project, too. Mm-hmm. I I like that he he is willing to just expand his horizons i guess like it's it's phenomenal and i i love i love pain i mean they're you and i i were talking about this the other night honestly after we'll get to our next topic but we were talking about um you know metal bands and metal um artists and the metal scene how it kind of fizzled out in the 90s due to the alternative rock scene but when while we were watching this documentary that um when was it like two nights ago we were watching it mm-hmm. um i i literally said to you if i wouldn't have met you uh, my eyes would not have been open to so many different bands and it's not because I am a closed-minded person because I love so much music I love everything from Dolly Parton to Napalm Death and that is two opposite ends of the spectrum I am a music person but sometimes because there is so much music out there and because you know certain decades and certain times get saturated 
mm-hmm. again, with the 90s, with the alternative, you, you kind of get saturated with what's going on at the time. So, if I wouldn't have met you, I would not have learned about so many different bands. We'll, we'll take my favorite example, Judas Priest. I thought Judas Priest was over <laughs> in the 80s. Right. Like, I was, like, breaking the law, you know, this is it. I think... I think I the last time I knew Judas Priest was Turbo. Um, and that was 87. Yeah, yeah, so that was in my mind when I met you, and this is back in 2002 when I met him. Um, I was like Judas Priest, 70s and 80s band. I knew lots of Judas Priest in the 70s, believe it or not. I knew some of the stuff that you didn't know. And that was all I knew. Done. Judas Priest, 70s and 80s band. When I met you... You blew my mind, and you're showing me all this relevant current Judas Priest music. And I, I when you threw Painkiller, the album, to me, and I said, uh, hello, have you heard Painkiller? And you're like, uh, yeah, I, I, I heard it when it was released. I'm the one who made you the CD. Right. But I think that's what happens a lot of times. You just kind of like, there's so much out there. You just get kind of like sucked into what you like. And it's easy to miss good things. And we're learning that every day because you were just saying too. um, So the documentary we're talking about is called Mean Man. And it's about um, the guitarist Chris Holmes of Wasp. And one of the reasons I bring up the whole 90s thing is because Wasp was, like, pretty fucking influential in the 80s, early 90s. And then when the alternative rock slash Seattle scene kind of came on, um, all these bands that were a little bit heavier than Def Leppard you know, when you skew to the left of Death Leopard and you get a little bit heavier like Wasp, um, like Judas Priest, you kind of lose a lot of what was kind of mainstream. So back in the 90s for our young listeners, the the way bands kind of made their mark was they had to find a label and the label had to get their shit out there. They had to go to different, like, music conglomerates. They had to go to different radio stations. They had to really push it out there. But because the 90s was like, oh, we're all alternative and we're all grungy. Well, you make an interesting point about that because there's a quote from Black the Lawless that I never forgot from many years ago. And this was probably right around <clears throat> the late 80s. And uh, it's when, all you know, once hair metal kind of caught on uh labels all over the place like geffen or uh you know some of these other ones they were signing all these bands that had the similar look and feel to the poisons the rats and all this and so do you Lackey's feel like they like, were like kind of trying to carbon copy everything well bands are all especially it's every genre it happened with alternate rock and you know it happens with modern rock now everyone kind of copies it, it, ha- it happens with the the hip-hop and the r&b too because you think like oh there's boys men well oh there's belba devote like but it happens time, with everything right but at the time like you know blackley's like 
with all these other bands are signed because these labels want to make money off these bands. This is this is a sketchy thing with the the labels back then. Is that if you have success with like a band like Poison, and all of a sudden you've got Pretty Boy Floyd and Tiger Tails that are doing a similar look and theme, well, they sign these acts thinking that they're going to push them to the point where they make just as much money as these other bands. It takes away. This is one of the issues that Napalm Death had with Earache is because. Once you start taking on all these other bands, you do no longer focus on the bands that got you noticed in the first place. And Blackie's like, yeah, you know, these labels now, they, they sign ten bands, but if one of them sticks, they don't care if the rest fail. They just want that one that sticks. And that's what it is. They're taking a gamble, and they're like, okay, I might lose X amount of dollars, but I'm going to gain so much more money because I'm signing these other bands, even though they may just be like, you know, a, a flash in the night or whatever. Yeah. And so it, the funny thing about Wasp is like different than a lot of the bands back then for a number of reasons. One, uh, the biggest one was they were basically one of the first, I won't say first, but like in the 80s, they were one of the first like shock rocker bands in terms of stage uh, shows. They I think were... the original shock rocker was... It's Cooper. <laughs> Thank you! But but that's sort of what they were going after. They were taking something else Cooper was doing, but only turning it up like to, to 11. And so, you know, Blackie had the saw blades on his, his, his uniform and... In the cod piece, and you know, he was trying to take what Cooper was doing and make it tenfold. And of course, in the 90s, Manson took that and did it even more with what he was doing. But 180, that's what kind of hurt Wasp because everything was now the 90s is like the downplayed, it's like the not theatrical side, it's more like oh, we're just going to be low-key and we're going to wear our regular clothes and we may not be rocking and having, you know, well, you wanna... saw blade uh, cod pieces, but we're just going to wear, like, our regular shirt and jeans. See, funny thing with Wasp is, is that the first two three records, uh, you know, Wasp was pretty much doing all that. And then on the fourth one, they had those children, which still lyrically had some shocking moments. They had dropped the whole cod piece thing it was mm -hmm. just like you know blackie wearing like a jersey in the video for the real me and they were trying they, they had that forever free ballad that made it really big on the radio so they were starting to break open but here's where we are with chris holmes who appeared on those first four records and then of course on kill fuck die and unholy terror later in the 90s uh you know, Holmes was a big instrumental part of that writing process for Wasp back then. And, you know, much like Nikki Six or Robin Crosby, at that time I didn't know how important they were to those bands uh, until much later. And when I think back now with Chris Holmes watching his documentary, like noticing like what happened after he left and then when he returned, I'm like, well, this makes sense. And I'm not trying to like short sell Blackie too much. I know he's kind of a dick. And Holmes obviously makes a point of that, that, you know, Blackie has some real issues there with that. Mm -hmm. But uh, it just goes to show that despite the craziness that was Chris Holmes, you know, we all know him from the uh, documentary uh, Western, Decline of Western. Decline of Western, yeah. Yep. So, like, he's in that infamous scene in the pool. 
and apparently Blackie was really upset about that. And maybe part of that was Blackie was trying himself to get the band out of this like shadow of the early material before they went and did Headless Children and all this. So meanwhile, Chris was just like, let's just party, dude. Let's just have a great time. Um, but obviously there was some tension there. But then once Chris left, uh, it sort of changed a lot of things for Wass in terms of writing. Now, some people really love The Crimson Idol. I'm not a big fan of that record overall, I, even though people are like, that's like a masterpiece. I just I don't see it. Uh, it doesn't compare anything to the first four records for me at all. Uh, and then even the albums that he did after that, uh, Blackie did. Um, he was trying different things, and it just wasn't really working the same way until Kill, Fuck, Die came out, I think, in 97, when he got Chris back in the fold. And that's where it kind of changed again. Like, you know, Unholy Terror was okay. I didn't really care for a lot of that one. But Kill, Fuck, Die, with, despite adding some of the industrial influence, uh, really was a game changer again, uh, which went back to the first four records where you can see the writing was much stronger, it was much darker, and they were just being what Wasp really was and not giving a fuck. I think, too, what, what one of Chris's problems was... Blackie was using his name in the albums when Chris is like, I was just playing. I was not involved in writing or producing or anything. And Blackie um, basically was trying to, I guess, capitalize on Chris's name because everybody loved Chris. Chris, um, they, they always... In this documentary, everyone was like, Chris was the party guy. Chris was the, you know, the happy guy. N Chris has never had a problem with anyone except for Blackie. Like, it, it was just like he and Blackie just kind of like butted heads. But then Chris, he realized as, you know, time went on that he was kind of getting screwed. Because well, it's twofold because one, he had from early on the records, like he, he wasn't paying attention to how the contracts mm -hmm. were written. So he lost a lot of money there. And on top of that, because that's why he got really mad because he Blackie was using him as, as like a contributing songwriter or contributing writer. So like he saw that on the albums and and then he's like i'm not getting the residuals i'm not getting the royalties and they're like oh well you signed this contract and he's like well if i'm a songwriter i should be getting xyz and he yeah. was so frustrated you could see it and i think you know as he got older and he he for a long time he 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 was drinking a lot and and partying a lot but then he he stopped drinking and he met his current wife and he's kind of coming to peace with his past and he's realizing that his wife is french and he lives in france and he, he the people that he works with and his producers and all are like you're very, very big. You can you can make a living here in Europe, you know. He was still living in L.A., but, you know, he met his wife, he moved to Europe, and they're like, totally use this. Work the European circuit, do these these um festivals, do these... these um... Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, over there, um, you can still do small clothes, but the festivals, you can be on there with, like, some of the biggest metal bands ever. Mm -hmm. and, 
his name will sell. But over in the States, like, it's not as easy. He can do the small clubs, but he wouldn't make near as what he would over there. Well, let, let's just think of how many times that we've seen great bands and it's been 12 people. Right. Here. Which is, which and is Baltimore not... Baltimore is, is a big metal scene, believe right. it or not. Like, it's it's not the band's fault and it's probably not even the promoter's fault. It's just that some of these bands that pass through, you know, they just, like, if it's during the middle of the week, a lot of people can't get out. Now, I don't know if that's because America has a busier workforce. I don't know. In Europe, though, it's a lot different. They're just far more dedicated to getting out. And there, there are bigger metal fans, I think, too. I, I feel like metal has gripped Europe. Mm-hmm more so than it has in the states it's and honestly it's because the u.s is huge and it's very regional so for us here in baltimore we're a weird state we're a state that is almost in the south but we're not quite southern but there's a ton of people who live here who think we are in the south so they're very rednecky but we're technically in the north, so we're we're supposed to be, you know, like progressive and and metal and blah blah blah. So Maryland is very divided when it comes to the musical taste. There's a lot of people who like country. There's also a lot of people who like rock. But we've seen what happens when you do a show on like our beautiful enslaved show that it almost felt like a private show yeah it was his which birth- is great for me because it was it my was birthday, his birthday so. and it was i don't know maybe a wednesday or a thursday it was the middle of the week it was a big venue that could hold like a couple thousand people because we've been there when there when it was full capacity with static x and it was so crowded that anubis passed out like it was so hot and crowded and when ens- enslaved, fucking, fucking enslaved, enslaved. <laughs> <laughs> there was maybe 25 people, but you know what? They played like there was 25,000 yeah. people there. Same with Kratopsy and all them when we saw them, but they, they were unfortunate because they were like a couple days before MDF kicked off. Like, Oh God, that's right. And it was kind of like everybody was... Preparing for that. Yeah, everybody so. wasn't off of work yet, so it was like you know Tuesday night. Yeah, and but they played like it was a full house, and like again the bands that we've seen have like Vader, same fucking thing. It was like a Wednesday night at Sonar when it was still around, and you know they just played like you know there was tons of people there, and that and, and these that shows you that these bands and artists work hard when they tour, but that they don't always see a real financial. Uh, gain from it all because like I'm sure like you know enslaved they probably didn't make hardly any money at all I'm sure they were paid ahead of time to be there but like I'm sure bands like enslaved who are substantial they get like a set pay but a lot of bands also they make money off of merchandise not just tickets and they also make money but when it's slow like that, they can't really make much at all. So it, it just shows you how tough it is when they're touring like they are, because they do a lot of dates, that sometimes they're just, like, getting short and stick. You know, it used to be, like, you'd prefer to see a band towards the weekend because everyone's off for the weekend, and, you know, it, it should probably be a fuller house, but not every band has that luxury because, you know, the schedule fills up fast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
nowadays, like, you're almost better because, like, we just saw that um, some friends of ours at Nomos are doing a show in Illinois, a festival there, and they're playing with a lot of other bands. Like, it's almost better if you do, like, an MDF or whatever because then you know you're going to have a pretty draw of people there. Like, it's it's like you get all these people coming in, so at least you're able to expose yourselves to more people at once. Um, it's not as... Uh, what do you want to say? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, when you're in a smaller venue, um, intimate. Yes, it's not as intimate as a small venue because you know, like Nomos loves playing small venues because it's and they really are good. amazing in small venues. Right, so it's crazy. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they do on the bigger stage, which for me and Neko are gonna be excited anyway. Come MDF, but it is a different vibe, and you know. They should be able to, to pull off their shit with no problems because they're just a very energetic band. But with Chris Holmes, you know, he's over in Sweden and, and he's doing this stuff now locally with his own project. He plays a few Wasp songs where he sings. Uh, it didn't sound bad. But I could just tell this guy is very jaded about the shit that happened with Wasp. Like, he, he just, he still has a bit of bitterness, which I kind of understand. Uh, but he's also come to a new realization where he is in his life. And, you know, his wife has been a big supporter of his and kind of grounded him a little bit. And so he's working hard still to put out a record, I think. I don't know if he's put it out by now, but, you know, he's had to make up money for that. Um, he had to sell, like, all his shit before he left America. That's right. He was like, I sold everything, my house, my car, my Dog. personal belongings. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it, it's a good doc. You get a little insight into Chris, and, you know, he, I don't think he's drinking anymore. No, he's not. He's been sober for years. Yeah, so, again, I think his wife was a big part of that. Like, when you watch that doc uh, where he's in the pool, you know, you kind of say to yourself, man, this guy's never going to make it to, like, 30. And a lot of his family and friends thought the same thing, but he managed to, like, dig himself out of that. And, I, I, you know, some of that may have been attributed to the shit that he was dealing with Blackie them because, but, you know, back then he was young and they had money coming in, so he had, like, a little luxury there. Uh, but And I think that's what ends up happening, like, when these younger guys, especially in the 80s, we saw all of these documentaries about this shady shit that they do, but they have a shit ton of money coming in and they think the money will last forever and they never really realize like okay so i signed away all of my rights so because they're making millions of dollars now they think it's gonna last forever but then you look at your contract and it's like oh you've signed away your rights and now you're a has-been yeah yeah and, you know funny and thing is nick brought it up is over there in europe you know Chris can literally walk around and fans will still come up to him. Like, they're very passionate about him, even at festivals or whatever. Like, they bring old Wasp uh, vinyl that have not signed CDs and stuff. And oh, God, remember that one guy who had, like, what was it, 2,000 Wasp memorabilia? Yeah. But, uh, you know, he over there, Chris just feels more in tune and, you know, loved, I should say, like, compared to what happened in America. Because America, we do tend to... Move on. Yeah, we move on very quick. We saw that with the grunge scene and alternative rock. And then, of course, now pretty much hip-hop dominates a lot of America radio. 
Uh, and then the rock that we do have today is just, it's very watered down, I think. And I think Neko feels kind of the same way. There's just very few bands that stick out. And, it, it, you know, when we played a show, like we just, that last song, Surviving September, which you liked, that's a radio-friendly song. I just, you, you won't hear it because the radio's afraid to play, like, real rock and roll. And it's sad. Like, we don't need this baby gum shit. We need, like, in, in Maryland, we need a station again, like a mainstream station like the underground that will not be afraid to play uh, heavy metal and rock because there's just so much great shit out there that deserves attention. And, you know, we're fine with doing the podcast and getting it out there, but we can't reach the amount of people we'd love to reach. And uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, in America we don't have a little more versatility with what we can listen to. Well, it's, it goes back to what I said because America is so vast and large and I mean <laughs> you go two states down and it's country central so right. that's the problem so yeah uh, definitely check it out it's called Mean Man uh, it's we about loved Christmas. it but, uh, both docs that we're going to talk about we're going to talk to one after this next uh, set of songs but they're both of them on Amazon Prime uh, so if you have that, check them out. Um, pleasantly surprised by both of them. Mm-hmm. I think I may have talked about the Randy one. Uh, Maybe one time when I was out. Right, but well, Neko hadn't seen it, so it was good to get some input on her because she was. It was pretty impressive. Beautiful. Yeah, so uh, check it out, Mean Man, featuring Chris Holmes of Wasp, and uh, it's very enlightening with like some of the issues that he and Blackie face and Wasp. So it's stuff that I didn't even really realize at the time. So. Certainly worth a gander and a check it out. In our next block of music, we're going thrashy. Brand new stuff from Misfire.
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. Alright, we're back. Talk about another doc we saw on Amazon Primer. It's about the late Randy Castillo, who played with Ozzy and Motley Crue. Uh, Lita Ford. Lita Ford, yep, yep. In fact, she narrates the doc. Uh, of course, a little tie in there. She actually was married to Chris Holmes for a short period of oh, time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I um, I didn't know much about Randy Castillo before I watched this doc and then after watching the doc like my I was my heart was broken like not a bad word be said about this man at all like everyone I mean he was Sam Kennison's best friend yeah of all the people in the world like you wouldn't expect it like uh he was close with Sam Kennison actually really kind of weird Sam Kinson when he went on his honeymoon actually invited uh, took uh, Randy with him um, and then I think Randy came back and it was like a couple days later Mm -hmm. it was three days later that Sam passed away I appreciated every second of this documentary I mean I'm not trying to take away from the Chris Holmes documentary because it was a good documentary but it's just different. It's um, very different, and the thing—the thing with me is, I—I I, I knew about Chris Holmes a little bit, and the documentary opened my eyes, and it made me realize like the struggles that he had, and I—I I, you know watched the rise and fall of uh, or the rise and decline of Western civilization, whatever it was. The decline of Western civilization. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but the thing about um, Randy was. He was a little bit under the radar, but totally respected. Mm-hmm. All so the first thing for a number of different things, you know, one he's Native American, which you don't see a lot of, mm-hmm. um, especially at that time. Uh, two, he early on when he was in like random bands in the seventies, you know, he was very energetic behind a kid. He was doing the the, the spins with the, the drumsticks and. Just overall, just incredibly active back there to make himself kind of known. Like they talked about in the doc that usually when you watch a band perform, you're seeing everyone up front: the singer, the guitarist, the bassist, the keyboardist, whatever. So the drums some oftentimes get hidden, and that's because they got giant kits and they're back behind everybody. And but you know it's funny because when I think of Randy and like what he was able to do to impress people in the audience remind me a lot of when Neko first saw Gene Hoagland play with uh, Devin Townsend. You know, I love my drummers. And she came out from watching, you know, the set and she's like, yeah, that drummer for Devin was amazing. And I was like, you actually caught that. That's actually... That's we saw Strapping Young Lad. That, that was a Strapping Young Lad show. I don't think it yeah. was Strapping. It might have been, but either way, because uh, he's played with both. So the fact is that he's just an incredible drummer, Hoagland is, and Randy is also. And that's the thing, is that he had gained such a reputation for being so good with Lita Ford. Like, 
And Lita's not Lita like... Lita, like, poached him. She's like, I want him for my next album. And then, like, you know... What was it? They said that, uh... Randy had gone home to go to bed, and somebody knew him. I forgot who it was, but they had met up with Ozzy and Sharon. And, and, and so he was back home in Colorado. Right. And this is L.A., and Ozzy and Sharon were out, and, and Randy's home with Sleeve, and his friend calls him, and he's like, I'm going to put somebody on the phone, and it's real. I'm not going to tell you who, but it's real. It's real. <laughs> and Ozzy actually called him, and he's like, I, I want you for my... I want you for my bed. That's my Aussie impression. <laughs> yeah, it was like right before uh, Ultimate Sin. You know that that's Randy was a part of that, and then it was on there until after until about No More Tears, and I think he left after that or was whatever. Um, but yeah, you know he was so well known that so many bands, like even after Ozzy and Motley Crue reformed, and when when. Tommy Lee he went played to go on do people's albums if he was asked. He had his own little side mariachi project. Like, he was all about music. Yep, and like like I said, when Tommy Lee went to do his own thing with Motley Crue, the, the rest of the guys were like, well, who can we get to play? And we're like, no, you know what? It's nobody but Randy. We gotta have Randy. And, and the sad thing is, because this is when he got sick. Yeah. And they're like, this was supposed to be Randy's tour, not our tour. It was Randy's tour. And they're like, okay, we have to replace Randy. But how do you replace someone like Randy? I I feel like I, I it was such a heartwarming and touching. And it was a short, it's like an hour documentary. It's not very long, but amazing. And I, it's, I think the other thing, it's so sad about it is that you know he was on the verge of being married um that's right you have his mom and i think his grandmother in there and his two sisters and they all loved him to death i mean he was just you know as they say like randy wasn't just a great player but he was like a really nice guy like people just he never said anything bad about anyone he didn't have any like drama that you knew of with uh, other bands or artists and that that's kind of hard to do, especially during those times in the hard rock era in the '80s. Like, you know, I listened to when I read the Heroin Diaries by Nikki Six. You know, Nikki would talk about how like some of these bands, like Motley Crue and Rat, and it was like a Mean Girls Club where they were all banging each other's girlfriends mm-hmm. behind while the other band was on stage. I'm like, that's you know, that's just not the way Randy was. He wasn't that kind of dude. In fact, yeah, like his mom even said, Christmas was sacred, and Randy, no matter what he was doing, would be home for Christmas every year. And his mom was very religious, and when Randy passed away, she was like, I just lost all of my faith because I couldn't believe that my my Lord, my God, would take a perfect person like Randy. And then his one sister was just heartbroken because they were the closest. I mean, I think they had a very large family, like four or five siblings, and the two of them were very, very close. And she's like, I just, I don't understand how someone who is so kind and good can can have this kind of outcome. But me thinking about like the overall watching this and seeing his life and his legacy and everything you see that from birth until death Randy 
he really, really loved playing the drums. And, like, he would even do, like, drum clinics for kids back in his hometown. Yeah, that was huge because, you know, you have a lot of these, like, Native American kids who looking for rock idols like they're in the rock and metal and they're you know their biggest idol and that in new mexico was randy and like it was a big deal for them because uh, you know just for his heritage and everything else so him for randy to make that kind of impact even like back in the what was it late 60s early 70s when he was playing with these like more remember you... when they said that <clears throat> he moved from um New Mexico to Denver, and it was because the band, I, I don't know what the exact reason, but, like, they went to Denver, and he, they were, like, the Denver band, mm -hmm. and when he came back to Denver playing, um, was he with Motley Crue then, or with no. Ozzy? I forgot what he, who he was with, but when he came back to Denver. I, I think first, when he got to Denver, or at least L.A., whatever it was, he was with Lita. And he had been playing with her for a while. Um, he was with another band early on, but I can't remember who it was. That's but, who Lita poached him from. <clears throat> but when he came back to Denver after he became very famous, like, it was sold out. And they were just chanting, we're Randy. Mm -hmm. Like, they were like, Randy, That fact, it was Ozzy because they it said... Was? That, yeah, because they said that... Oh, we're Red Rocks! Yeah. So, you know, he the band's getting ready to come out and i think even like some of the other members came out and they kept hearing randy randy so randy came out and he did his thing and ozzy of course did his but ozzy, uh, ozzy really allowed randy to just be himself too because he was he had a monster drum set like well the thing i always remember too about ozzy is that he he's never shy about replacing members like he's just one of those guys that like like Jakey e. Lee was there for a couple of records, and then Zach was there for a while. He really loved Zach. It was it was Ozzy, Zach, and Randy. Remember? And, right, and that was like the main trio for that time period. And uh, but you know he he ended up getting sick, and they actually had kind of like put it in remission, so he kind of thought he was okay. Um, but then once, oh, well, actually the first time I think he said they, he kept growing and growing and he was kind of ignoring well, he didn't, it. Well, he didn't know he was actually sick. He felt a little bump in his lymph node while he was shaving and he was like, eh, it'll go away. And it didn't. And it grew. And then everyone was like, Randy, go to the doctor, go to the doctor, go to... And he went to the doctor and he found out it was squamous cell carcinoma. Yeah, it was cancer. <laughs> squamous cell carcinoma. But one thing about squamous cell is if you catch it early, it's a lot more curable. But Randy had waited until it grew to the size of, like, golf a ball. golf ball. Yeah. And they removed it and he went through the treatment and they were pretty you know optimistic because they're like okay we got it he went yeah, through the he was, treatment he was and... very positive he thought you know and in fact he'd come back and i think he had started this is when he started practicing with, with motley Crue, right and then uh but then he had a relapse and that was kind of it they kind of knew at that point that it was more serious at that point and the one thing that really hit me is how many friends he had and they were constantly coming to see him at the hospital and these are 
important busy people like big musicians and then well you remember they talked about when he actually passed Ozzy Osbourne was the first one there and he stayed there until they could get the his family. his family with the body and I I I mean when you hear how somebody who is as big as Ozzy feels so close to somebody as Randy that he is willing to give up his time. And this is, you know, this is during Ozzy's resurgence. This is when Ozzy is doing Ozfest and doing the Osbournes TV show. He dropped everything to stay with Randy so that the family could be there. He stayed with him after he passed and... They, he made sure that the the body was taken care of properly and that the family, you know, was, you know, the body was respected and everything was done in a nice, kind way. And, I mean, besides the fact that she was a lot of character on Ozzy's side, it also shows the kind of respect that Randy had within the music community because everyone... Everyone you could think of that knew Randy came to see him to pay their respects, not only at his funeral, but before he passed away when, you know, the news got out there. Again, this is before Facebook when everybody's like, oh, I'm, I'm in the hospital. Come see me. This is before then. This is when you had to call people and say, hey. I'm really sad my friend Randy is in the hospital and everyone who ever worked with Randy. I mean, there was this, I forgot her name, but she was one of the attorneys, a, a music attorney that mm -hmm. worked with Randy her entire life. And she was just broken up over his death. And I mean, nobody likes attorneys. <laughs> But for them to have that kind of relationship, mm. this, this... speaking of which, when you we talked about Chris Holmes, how like the t changing of the musical times and all that, I forgot to mention that one of my favorite pieces of work from Castillo is the Red Square Black EP that he did in the early '90s. I think it was like '94. That's right, and it was one EP. And uh, you know, at the time when I when I was given to me by a friend. Listen, I fell in love with it right away. It also features John Five from Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson. Uh, you know, at the time I didn't think much about it in terms of like because they never did anything after it. So, but I really loved the EP. My friend loved it, and we played it a lot. And then later in life, you know, the years gone by, people have referenced that EP and like how good it is, and like it's so hard you can't even find the, the record anymore because uh, it's out of print. But, uh, you know, when I put up, like, a clip on YouTube for Violent Pause, you know, people are, like, freaking out, like, oh, I'm so glad you shared this. I love this so much. And, uh, it, but that was the kind of EP in music that Castillo was actually kind of evolving around at the times. It wasn't to try to mimic uh, Nirvana or any of those other bands. They were actually doing their own thing. It was a little bit more avant-garde rock, and uh, it's very clever and very good. And has a little bit of punk in there as well. So uh, for Randy to kind of create that project at that time uh, was pretty impressive. I, I don't know if why they didn't carry on. I don't know if it's just 
you know, with all the, like, John 5 might have decided to go on other things or whatever, but... It could be just life. You know how life gets. People right. have other, you know, responsibilities, other contracts, and... I mean, we we see this a lot with bands where you get, like, the super group and they do, like, one EP or one album and then it's, like, gone. Yeah. So it's a very good, uh, although very heart-wrenching documentary very to watch. Very heart-wrenching. I was, I was touched. Like, I'm, I'm gripping my heart right now. Like, I was kind of amazed, like, the fiancé. Like, you saw a couple moments towards the end where the fiancé and the mother kind of, like, broke down a little bit. But, like, I was pressed by the fact that they were able to keep it together for most of that doc. Because, you know, the fiancé was just, like, devastated and, like, she was able to keep her composure for most of it. But then you can see that, like, when she had to, like, really talk about how much she missed him, that it was really tough for her to, to and, stay and, focused. And I believe this documentary came out in 2014, and he passed away in 2002? Yeah, it was definitely early 2000s. So, you know, this is 12 years later that she's still you know that close mm -hmm. and and feeling that sad and i you know the one thing that she said that kind of like touched me two things is she was a lot younger than him and i i guess he was in his 40s and she was in her 20s and she yeah she still looked good in the talk so. yeah she was like you know, we we just wanted to get married. We weren't talking about children. We had our dog. We liked hiking. Just blah, blah, blah. And then she kind of stopped and she said, but I, I really would have had, would have wanted to have his children because she loved him that much. And she's like, you know, when I was with him, I was so young and I didn't even give it a thought about having children but you know now that all this time has passed I she really is like I would have had his children and the other uh, like I said earlier the other thing that kind of hit me was when his mom who was a very religious woman was like I just kind of lost my faith because yeah you know we've talked about that before when it comes to religion like in the world that we live in people have faith which we all support but like you know, for someone, like, for someone to literally, I mean, it didn't happen, but if someone had walked up to Randy's mother and said, you know, don't worry, there's a purpose to this, like, that would enrage me. Because, like, you can't tell me that that's a good thing that someone dies just because God feels like it's necessary. Like, that's just not, that's like a bad joke. And, uh, but there are people and preachers that will actually say that, like, there's a purpose and all this. And I'm like, there's no purpose. There's no purpose in causing a person pain like her, the mother or the fiance like we know shit happens and for neck and i it's it's more about we just understand this is part of life so people get sick and they die and it's unfortunate but it's not any kind of master plan and it's not a good thing from a religious point of view i just it's just i can understand why someone will lose their faith in that because you have a guy like randy who was generally a good person uh taken way too early so, yeah, it just those are the kinds of things that make you think, like, you know, beyond where we are in death and whatnot. But I mean, I say the same thing about my mom. I'm like, this is a woman who has 
worked very hard her entire life. She's opened her heart and her home to people, even if it wasn't beneficial to her. And she gets fucked like this. Like, I don't believe that, quote unquote, God has a purpose. I, if I, I seriously don't. My mom is very, you know, Catholic and she completely believes that all the prayer healed her while she was in the ICU and I don't argue because I don't want to upset her but right. I honestly believe it's science and doctors who healed her but I never I hate feeling like like Brandy's mom where he, she's like I just lost my faith because I can't understand why somebody or some god would take my son at 40 what was he 41 somewhere in there yeah. mm -hmm. take my son at such a young age and he didn't do anything wrong and i i i totally say the same thing about my mom i'm like ah, oh, she's never done anything wrong in her life she's actually done a lot of right in her life and then she gets fucked like this i can't i can't put faith out there and I'm sorry if you if you guys are religious. I just can't. I I can't like put that in a faith, you know, bubble or oh everything happens for a reason. God works in mysterious ways. No, I don't believe it because if God worked in mysterious ways, He would take you know rapists and child pedophiles and make their dicks fall off. Right. All right, well, enough ranting. Happy, happy times, happy times. <laughs> What's the next song? It's a happy song, right? Uh, no, nothing's happy with metal. Oh. But we have some uh, classic Nevermore. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, metal Message sent us some Vengeful Ghoul. Uh, new Trauma, some classic Sinister. But we're going to go with some new stuff from Fox Lord. <laughs>
Sinister hitting the right spots. Love, love, love that song. DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Back with you, getting ready to close out another great episode of the Hordes of Chaos. Hope you all enjoyed everything. Many thanks to Lou Yardley for a great interview. Much She's fun. amazing. Please buy her books. They're really, really good. I was saying in the interview, I'm blowing through her books. Like, they're super entertaining. They are amazing. And she's got, like, a whole idea. She's got, like, this whole timeline mapped out of how she's going to expand the entire story. And I, trust me. Oh, yeah, she's got great plans. Like, I'm amazed at what she's got in store for everybody. So, she's a great read. Um, very talented uh, and very engaging. So, uh, even though I've obviously stated I'm not like the hugest or biggest reader, uh, Neko certainly is. Uh, and I know a lot of other people I know, we know, are big readers. So, if you're into horror fantasy and stuff like that, thrillers, uh, she's very good. And they're entertaining reads. Honestly, I'm not saying this just because she's our friend. I'm I'm literally saying I I blow through her books in three four days, and they're entertaining. They're well written. They're fascinating and they're fun. Yep. So again, many thanks, Lou. Appreciate it. We'll be talking again soon. Uh, yeah, so I hope you all enjoyed the music. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode. And I got plenty of great music lined up for that. We haven't oh, got yeah? To. No topics yet, but... Uh, oh, there's always topics. I'll give you a topic. Well, we'll hopefully we'll get back to some of the movie re DVD reviews, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> you know what? I'm going upstairs right now. <laughs> <laughs> One last track from you provided by Dead Center Productions. Ash Invader, this is called Storm Reef, and we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Peace.